Sonic States. Coming up on Sonic Talk, we speculate on the rumoured Logic Pro X update. We drool over Synth Junk's lovely synth collection and enjoy the new modular film trailer. And why not win kudos and a head torch by entering our upcoming Sonic Talk theme tune competition? Stay tuned for details. Sonic Talk is brought to you by Yamaha. Check out the W24 and C24 tiny digital recorders with high resolution audio and a whole bunch of features and by Mac Pro Video save 20% on all downloads by visiting sonicstate.com forward slash mpv hello everybody and welcome to sonic talk number 234 recording live today wednesday the 14th of september uk time 4 p.m join us in the chat room where there is a live video and audio stream and uh, a live chat set up at sonicstate.com forward slash live, 4pm UK time. Uh, we've got a lot of people in today. I did a little bit of extra promotion, so I'm hoping we'll have a bumper crop in the chat room. The chat room is populated by what we like to call our turbo brain, which is, uh, if there's anything that we, a fact that is not immediately to hand, the chat room is always there to help a lending hand and perhaps on occasion chastise us for, well certainly myself for getting the facts wrong. But it's a great fun thing, and I want to thank Mac Doctor, who's in there, who's uh, uh, actually local to us in Sonic State land, uh, near Sonic Towers, who's helping out with, uh, with the chat room, sort of posting links and what have you. So thanks very much. And hello, everybody. So uh, we'll go straight to our listeners. Not our listeners, what am I talking about? Our podcasting um, participants. Let me just, oh, I need to get my mouse back. This is complicated because I've got four screens attached to this Mac now. So it's, it, now I've got to find it. So hello, everybody. Um, there's everybody there live. There's Dave looking um, looking a little fretful there, Dave Spears from G, G, G4 Software. <laughs> a bit unwashed. Oh, I can't tell that from here. I can tell that you're, I don't think our listeners would be able to tell, but <laughs> definitely your, 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 the lens on your camera is looking a little um, unwashed. Uncapped. I think it's. I think it's the light. Look, if I go like that, yeah, I think it's that. Oh, but it it's looks like that. to me like it's giving me a kind of very misty an aura, other than black, a misty aura. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, anyway, g4software.com makers of fine musical instruments. Check out their new website. Check out all their new videos. There's tons of it. They've just had a major transformational metamorphosis in a sort of technological point of view, and also released the. Uh, Imposca 2 for PC, right? Yeah, and the Chamberlain. Yep. Yeah, and the, chamber, the Chamberlain M Tron. Um, yeah, yeah, brilliant. So, yeah, I'm happy. Good. I'm glad you're happy. Spent the last week plugging a few holes, but. Uh, well, as one I, does. I think we're all good. And it's all, weird, isn't it? Because you yep. do kind of get used. Well, you do kind of get used to the way a website works, and then all of a sudden you take things for granted, and then when you have to change it, you kind of go, hmm. Yeah. That was a bit obvious. I have wasn't to it? Re- I, I've got to exercise my mouse finger a little differently. Yeah. I know what you mean. Weird. Yeah. That's why, in fact, that's why Sonic State has, hasn't had a redesign for almost 20 years. <laughs> because <laughs> because I, I feel it would be unfair. No, it's nothing to do with that. It's because uh, we haven't got around to it. I really, really, really do want to do it. But I'm sure, as you know, Dave, it's a massive amount of work. It is. Yes. Anyway, uh, and that other chuckle. Uh, well, let's go. We've got. Uh, PJ Tracy's looking prominent there. Uh, he's got a new icon, so I feel it would be uh, essential that we organise uh, and uh, uh, introduce him. PJ Tracy from uh, Minneapolis, studio owner, composer. PJ Tracy Sound.com, I think, is your new website. Is that right? Yeah, 
Yeah, a work in progress. A work in progress. Uh, well, a welcome, PJ. Thank you. For, I forgot. To, I keep forgetting to say Emmy-winning composer PJ Tracy. And, no need, uh, that's but thank right. you. <laughs> Could I just ask you to angle your mics ever so slightly differently? You've got a bit of a you've got a case of the heavy breathings going on there, which I would obviously yeah, like sure. to make sure that. Uh, uh, yeah, that's great. Anyway, well, welcome, PJ. Up. And uh, Rich has just popped into view. He's uh, usurped Dave Spears on the right-hand side there. <laughs> Rich sure. Hilton, um, fresh back from... Well, I, last time I saw you or heard of you was on uh, the Hyde Park stage in London on uh, this past Sunday night after you were in town for another couple of gigs. So you played in Hyde Park. How was, how was it? Was it cool? Awesome? All those oh, things? it was cool. Awesome. Memorable. Fun exciting uh gorgeous view from the stage incredibly uh, responsive and generous audience we had uh we had a very short amount of time to get out anything compared to what our normal show is and we i think we uh did well there, there's a video clip on uh the bbc website sweet and oh, you get a sense of the out. size of the thing it, it was huge how i many, mean the, the how people, many people just you- went on I'm not good at this. Uh, the estimates ranged from fifty to eighty thousand. Whoa! Nice. I mean, it was huge. It, well, people, as far as you can see, kind of huge. Wow. You know, and really wide too. You know, and out to each side in a great in a great distance. It was uh, quite a view. How and, was the weather? Uh, really I- a thrill. Uh, while we were on stage, it was fine. Prior to our going on stage, about one hour, it had rained a bit. After being nice for most of the day, it was actually gorgeous through most of the day and then it rained in the early evening and then uh but it apparently didn't send too many people home because i'm telling you that was a huge crowd wow. I, I was impressed i mean almost as much as um an episode of sonic talk you must be used to obviously playing to such an enormous amount of live people <laughs> i don't know i guess you do get used to it if you're doing it more than i'm doing it i i you know half our gigs are in front of 200 people and half our gigs are in front of whatever 20,000 people. So it's, uh, you, you do, it's still striking to me. It's, re- in fact, it's thrilling to me. The, uh, looking out and seeing all of that, it's like, well, just check that out. You know, I, yeah. I actually just posted a picture because I kind of wanted to give us, for those who don't go and watch this video with the crane shots, I posted a picture today that gives you a sense of the scope of what the audience looks like, of me on stage with the audience behind me. Oh, brilliant. And, uh, it's uh, it was pretty amazing, and uh, I thought we played well. We uh, were using a a brand new drummer on this tour because our other drummer has some commitments in Japan for a while, and he did magnificently. Especially considering his first two gigs with the band, the first thing he hears is, "You're going to be playing arrangements different from the ones you've just ferociously rep- uh, prepared." <laughs> <laughs> Those are the words and, that any drummer would love to hear, I'm sure. And in front of large numbers of people and on the air live for, you know, whatever, millions more. Yeah. So, um, and, I, and it was also fun because when I came back to my room, which, as I said, the set was short, so I was back quickly. There's this whole string of messages from all my friends, many of whom are right here among us and, uh, on, and in the chat room, and some of whom are in other places in the world. And the, and this, the sheer size, the, the breadth of the areas from which these messages came was really uh, touching. So you and, had a massive, because uh, lo- was it just the BBC bro- rebroadcasting, or did it go elsewhere mm-hmm. at the same time? No, it was a BBC event. It's wow. their baby. So uh, people were getting online. I mean, my family here watched it online, you know, and uh, or listened to it. I think it was broadcast in audio online. I'm not sure, but uh, the video went up the next was up by the next morning, 
Oh, excellent. That sounds like great. Anyway, you must be still buzzing. That's not the sort of thing that one forgets very easily, is it, that kind of event? So fantastic. Uh, uh, as I said, mem- very, very memorable. Something uh, uh, of that scope in my life is just incredible and memorable. And on top of that, I got to visit some of our friends while I was in England. Ah, uh, yes. Gat. You've met. Well, that, that yes. might actually be a good introduction, segue into introducing Gaz Williams, of course, our resident Bristol-based Welsh producer, songwriter, player, Oh, a man of many talents. How are you, Gaz Williams? Uh, songsurgeon.co.uk for those who need a webify kind of to see him in a web yes, format um, here he is in person <laughs> yeah indeed and i i met rich on friday uh which is great and also uh kent and uh juicy audio um shaker and so it was brilliant sort of meeting meeting everybody it was such good fun <laughs> especially meeting rich as well because that was uh it was it was great but i felt that it just felt Oh, it's rich. It just felt really normal, even though we've never met physically before. It just felt really normal and just really nice, and it, it was great. It was a real pleasure. It's it's funny how that goes, isn't it? You can when you meet somebody. I had the same thing with Mark. I'm sure I've told the story before where we've connected for sort of ten years, but I'd never actually met him till about three years ago physically. And I think I've only met him like once or twice. So actually in person, it's but it, it doesn't feel like that when you meet up. It's really it's kind of weird, isn't it? It's a it's a strange phenomenon. <laughs> Anyway, do, well, do, 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 do. exactly. Yes. One should say that after any utterance of the word <laughs> phenomenon, I think. <laughs> do, 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 there you go. Thank you very much. Well, this could go on forever. <laughs> Maybe we should just make this a whole hour of me saying phenomenon. And <laughs> do, right. do, 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 do. No, I think perhaps yeah. not. Anyway, let's get on. Um, let's see what, what have we got first. I've got to check my show notes. Uh, uh, and, and welcome everybody in the chat room, of course. Um, we've got a good, uh, a fulsome amount of people. And I wanted to say, if I hadn't already, thanks to the Mac Doctor, who is helping out with uh, pasting information and what have you in the chat room, who's uh, very kindly um, just helping us out. Uh, first of all, oh yes, there was an email from a chap called John Miller, who said, uh, Nick and crew, a couple of things. I love the segment on finger drumming, which we talked about, uh, but was surprised no one mentioned Future Man. And his <clears throat> one-of-a-kind drummatise, the sort of godfather of finger drumming. And I never noticed this before, so I thought I'd just... We'll have a quick clip, and uh, then, we can, then we can move on. Let me just find that clip, and I can play it. Here we go. This is Future Man, he's called. Here he comes. Hey, everybody. He's just out of shot at the moment. Anyway, I won't play the whole thing because it wasn't actually on the topic list, but I just want to say thanks to Jonathan Miller, uh, John Miller, for sending us that link. And Future Man is a guy to check out. It looked something like a Zendrum. It's a cross between a Zendrum and, an, and a Synthax, I think. Dave, you're looking puzzled. Did you recognise that? That was definitely a Synthax, wasn't it? Yeah, Synthax yes, kind of... Yes, it is. The it jaunty is. angle of the Synthax there. Yeah, it is. Well, there we go. Yep. But I'd never oh, know. He's he been plays playing with, it for years. He plays with Bella Fleck, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he's the brother of Victor Wooten, bass player of Victor Wooten. And, uh, uh, 
I am guilty as charged on this one. I've seen this guy. I love his music, and I can't believe it didn't occur to me to mention him last week. So the <laughs> listener was absolutely right, and as soon as I read it, I was like, don't! Oh! So, um, <laughs> well, never mind. There Beth. you go. Good call. We have great listeners and great, you Absolutely. Know, it's amazing. Chat room, everybody. It's remarkable. It's one big happy family and huge, massive brain. Turbo brain. Well, thank you very much. Right, um, so let's get into the first uh, first topic. And this is really, there's no video or anything to go with it, but obviously, you know, there's lots of talk about the the imminent arrival of Logic Pro X. I mean, you know, after the Final Cut Pro X, there's understandably a certain amount of uh, trepidation amongst commentators and users of Logic that are kind of worrying that it's going to end up sort of emasculating or causing problems. Because uh, for those of you who don't know, Final Pro X came out, it was via the App Store, and it worked out pretty good, apart from the fact that uh, it didn't support <laughs> EDLs or any kind of XML import or export, or in fact opening previous projects. And, and just sort of minor things like that so people are kind of getting a bit antsy about it but just to put everybody's mind at rest perhaps the thing about logic pro x is it's already 64 bit so there's not likely to be any problems with uh, plugins and there's a variety of other things but i just wonder i mean dave you're a you're you are a uh a developer i mean, I mean you probably can't tell us anything that you actually know but um, did you have any concerns that um Maybe appropriate. Can you say anything, frankly, without actually getting yourself in trouble? I suppose is the first question I should ask. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, no, it did make me laugh because when the chat notes came through, what would you like to see and what can we expect? And somebody was here and I just involuntarily just went, pain. <laughs> and they looked at me like, what are you talking about? But they hadn't seen me reading this sentence. So I just kind of scanned it. Yeah. Like, oh. Pain. Um, I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see the um, Final Cut Pro X was more like a kind of iMovie Pro to me. And it re- actually, when that happened, and I know that the original um, iMovie uh, Final Cut code base wasn't 64-bit and it wasn't ready for that. It was all carbon as opposed to coca uh, or the other way. Yeah, coca, carbon. I forget. But um, it did make me kind of alarmed because I was like, if they're going to do the same to my door, I'm going to be very upset. And I'm sure a lot of people were. So hopefully they've kind of learned. Anyway, I should shut up. I do understand, obviously, that, you know, not everybody here is a logic user. But as you know, the use of doors is a very personal thing. And it's an almost religious kind of fervor. That's uh, As with most software, you know, uh, and platforms, you tend to kind of get to this. So that you will forgive us if we dwell a little bit on it. But uh, (laughs) I I, I feel it has to be said. And I'm shocked to hear that Final Cut Pro doesn't open old projects. No. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible to me. How, how could that be? How could you do that? Yeah, it does seem like a, a little bit of an oversight, wouldn't you say? It's like no. To the point now where they're actually selling, oh, uh, they're selling box versions of the original Final Cut Pro to try and appease a load of um, editors and stuff. They're re-releasing it. Um, they're, they're, <laughs> yeah. They're, like, yeah, they've un- unstopped it. Apparently, like their user ba- existing user base upon <laughs> which they've been relying for this product. But anyway. Um, I don't know anything about logic and what's going to happen. I hope it's backwards compatible with older people, you know, people's older projects. That's for sure. Compatible with and, older uh, people. I like the sound of that. That's that's a <laughs> <laughs> uh, lots of chat in the chat room. Um, a final cut. Poor Apple. Uh, what's the other thing that? that uh, yeah, Logic X file menu will be new song wizard. Pick a genre uh, amongst <laughs> other things. There's some amusing, uh, as you can imagine, amusing stuff going past. Uh, Gaz, mm. what do you think is going to happen? 
And you're not a Logic user, are you? So it's probably... Ah. Well, I am a little bit, and bring on the changes is what I'm saying, because I think I bought Logic uh, a couple of years ago, when uh, not long after 9 came out, and being a long-time Cubase user, that's sort of almost uh, close to a sacrilegious thing to do. Um, And I bought Logic because so many people I know were using it, and it was just sort of, I thought it makes sense for when I'm doing a collaboration things in fact i was working with tara at the time and that was a that was a recent tara bush um but i think logic's a big smelly pile of poo really <laughs> and i think it needs it needs a big overhaul and i think that given that Matt, uh, apple are uh developing such a lot of uh, other technologies um if you know to do with interfaces and how to interact with your software i think uh, logic we could do with a big a big boost of that that's my feeling because i feel that it's when i use logic it feels like the underlying sort of operating of it feels very dated and uh it feels very restrictive and uh i yes i think bring on the changes that's my that's my two pence. <laughs> I think that's absolutely fair enough. I must admit, you know, since working because I work as people know, I work on the PC uh, and Sony Vegas and various other platforms, and I've been using uh, recently also Reaper. Coming back to Logic for work work is is actually it, it takes a kind of quite a long time to readjust to kind of getting into the into the flow of things again. And it is, I I think you're right in a lot of ways. It's it's not. It's maintained its sort of heroic pose in the face of the waves <laughs> bursting on the beach, as it were. You know, there's a certain element of that to it. So, yeah, I think it might be. I mean, it's going to be painful because anything, any major changes to your workflow are difficult. Of course. Um, the thing I wonder, though, is just to what extent the multi-touch will be supported. Because, uh, you know, that's that's a really nice aspect of modern computing. Uh so it'd be quite interesting to see if they make any kind of any advances in that department. Um, so, yeah, you know, I still, I, I, I st- sorry, carry, carry on. I was just going to say, I'm assuming they, they're going to have this like kind of full screen mode and they probably will take this new uh, saving, uh, auto saving versions thing that was, that came in on Lion. Right. So, you know, so I think there's going to be, this is my, my feeling anyway. There's going to be those things that will probably be half of course of the new software. Uh, I think maybe however, I think maybe actually what will happen it will be all workflow based because the underlying the underlying sixty four bit engine and various other things are all sorted yeah. so it doesn't actually yeah. need so hopefully it will be that. I know PJ, <laughs> you're not uh, probably never have been a Logic user. Um, but no, I am I am I, making what, a massive a assumption time, here, of course. Yep. No, once upon a time, Logic 5, I was a, a Logic user on the Mac. Um, but it has been a long, long time since I've been a Logic user. However, I am uh, currently involved in an ongoing project with somebody who uses Logic as their main DAW. And I am constantly surprised to find how counterintuitive Logic is. Um, he's not a power user. Um, he, he comes kind of more from an engineering back, background, and um, whenever I'm attempting to try to discover deeper aspects of the program or help him discover deeper aspects of the program, um, 
my visual impairment and his lack of knowledge in the program always cause for a, at least five or six minutes of, fr- of deep frustration <laughs> yeah. until we figure out exactly what we're what we're trying to do. So yeah, I think I think logic could definitely use an overhaul. However, that being said, I think um, uh, maybe possibly what uh, especially in recent years has driven people um, to massive use of that program other than sort of the the ongoing fanboy inertia that apple seems to generate is um is its value for money Uh, it has fantastic instruments and plug-in effects that come bundled with the program for the price and i think um you know out out there it's hard to be it's hard to beat that that's that's what the one thing it has i mean that's going to be something that's quite interesting Mm -hmm. because obviously clearly what's going to happen or at least you know the, the the kind of the weight of expectation is it's going to move into the app store and which means it's going to have to get rid of a load of bundled stuff that comes with it. You know, those will be extras. Things like the massive collection of samples and Apple Loops and things. You know, you're not going to be able to download whatever 16 gigs of stuff from the App Store. So do you think if they do that, Nick, that they'll drastically drop the price of the core program and then allow those other things to be purchased as separate add-ons? I would, it would not surprise me in the slightest. Somewhere between, you know, Logic full price and GarageBand current price, which is free. Uh, I'm right. guessing. I'm guessing that's a fairly likely possibility, and then they just do add-ons for stuff you need. Because frankly, you know, all the stuff that came with Logic, most of it I didn't bother installing because I'm not going to use the sort of Boss and Over Apple Loop refills or whatever. You know, do you see what I mean? I'm not going to use that stuff. So yeah, yeah, I think it's a really good idea. I'm 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 with you. I mean, there's there's a lot that has come with with Cubase um, version six, which um, incidentally I'm, I'm I've become very happy with that um, I never touch. Uh, I, I looked at it once, and and it's just you know I have my own massive collection of samples that I use on a on a daily basis, and and collecting you know twenty gigabytes more is is not necessarily always a good thing because you have to trawl through them, and and there's maybe uh, half a gig or two hundred fifty meg in there that you might use on a consistent basis if you were to happen to find it, and it becomes you know a, a couple week long treasure hunt. So yeah, I think it's it's it may be a good idea for them to go to a modular. Well, and, as, and also, uh, uh, Mal twenty Macal twenty seven in the chat room says, uh, "I imagine you download the loop packs in four gigish chunks once you've bought it in the app store, and maybe you know, maybe those are additional prices. Now, that's probably not a bad thing because then at least you would end up. I want to buy like that drum pack, or I want to get a piano, or I want you know, it makes sense to access those things." Modularly, to me, you know, uh, if if you're sort of following the paradigm of the in-app purchases and all of that kind of thing, that's what. Yeah, I and I think that I think sort of along with the the ethos of the internet, we're moving into that more the the sort of a la carte, long tail philosophy of sales. Hopefully, because I think for a long time uh, manufacturers were pressed to give you more bang for the buck, and let's see how many bells and whistles we can throw in into a product and that's not necessarily a good thing it can make it uh difficult to sort of assess what it is that you actually have in front of you yeah okay so um we don't know when it's going to happen but we know it's going to be happening sometime soon there's a lot of announcements coming up in autumn so uh perhaps uh it will be a good thing and we will all be pleasantly surprised and all rush to upgrade uh, to access the new workflow features. That's what I'd like. I'd obviously like to see. Um, whether that's the case is another matter. Uh, right then. Uh, ah, I think we should. Um, what's the time? 
Oh, I should probably do an ad. I've forgotten. Good, good grief. It's got so late. It's, it's, uh, we want to say thank you to our sponsors here. And the, the, the sponsors are, of course, Yamaha. Uh, Yamaha want to tell you about the new pod, uh, Pocket Track C24 and W24. Two very, very small, high-resolution recorders. I mean, they're not much bigger than, you know, a, a dictaphone, digital dictaphones, but they record at very high specifications. The W24 has a wireless remote control, which is really handy uh, if you're obviously going to put it on a mic stand and record an event. You don't want to keep reaching up and pressing buttons and having to get on top of it to see what the display does. Very handy. Uh, 24-bit 96k recording with highest quality. Superior battery life. I think they use Eneloop stuff. 38 hours of PCM. High capacity storage with built-in recording to, uh, to 2 gig built-in micro SD cards. XY configured stereo microphone. There's also the C24 which is the smallest and lightest 24-bit 96 pocket recorder from Yamaha. It's got practice aids of tuner and metronome, quick start-up, easy to record. 4.5 seconds from switch on. So do check them out. Go to yamahasynth.com, yamahadownload.com. Check out if there's a Pulse store near you, maybe go in with a, a memory card, record some stuff, see what it sounds like, see how it works for you. Uh, or if in the US, go to one of the larger dealers and check out the Yamaha Pocket Track range. Once again, we thank Yamaha for their continued sponsorship of the show. Wonderful stuff. I'm not going to play the whole thing. That's from a chap called uh, Synth Junk on YouTube. And I was looking at that. That is a massive collection of synthesizers. And I feel Dave Spears, it almost puts you to shame. And I was, and that's saying something. And I think, in fact, he's, I think in terms of synthesizers per square inch, he seems to have less room and more synths in it. What do you think? Is this technically possible? I don't know. Yes. I'm not sure he's got quite so many tears, but da- the gap between them is almost like a, the smallest of galley kitchens. Maybe that's why it's all dark and he's just wearing some kind of torch on his head. And mind you, I've got one of those. The head torch. So, so when I have to do some wiring, I put this on. Nice. Which makes me look like a sort of miner. Yeah. <laughs> I have one of those. Impressive, really. I got one of those right yeah, this, if this is the most oh, useful no. thing ever. This is going to turn yeah. into the head torch show. <laughs> <laughs> right, rest of the show. Yeah. That's really funny. We could be in a band together, Rich. There you go. Yeah, was it? Orbital used to do that, didn't they? <laughs> it's when so you're working good. on gear and you need two hands, there's nothing to beat yeah. it. This is I remember, I remember the days and what you used to do is get those mini mag lights, wrap some gaffer tape around the very end and then you could hold it in your mouth like that without g- destroying your teeth. Oh, that's old school. Yeah, that Things was... have moved on since yeah, then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they... <laughs> 
that's how long ago I used to be working in a live environment and having to pack up gear. Now, all I remember, though, is, is after a show, you're exerting yourself, kind of packing up the stuff or doing whatever you got to do. With one of those in your mouth, you just dribble everywhere. It's horrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fantastic. There's another tan- candidate for the show title, Dribbling Maglite. Yes, I like the sound. <laughs> That. Somebody's chat room has called us the gynecologists. <laughs> yeah, coming I'm, in. I'm not sure that's going to be the title for the chat show. <laughs> Dave, that looks like I'm hoping you were demonstrating perhaps, you know, a blue whale or an elephant. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. It was actually better than that. I can't even pronounce what he wrote, but it looked like that. Okay. Logista. The gynecologistas. Gyna- that's... Yeah. Oh, that, that could almost be usable. I wonder if I could get away with that. Let's have a look. Where's that say? Uh, Red Walks. Uh, let me see if I can find it now. The chat room goes by so fast. The gynecologistas. There we go. I once had a dream where I made up a joke in the dream, and the joke was about a gyne- gynecologist. Um. <laughs> Are you sure um, you want to go joke, on? The joke. Freud might have something to say about that. Guys. <laughs> you don't say. It's, it's a rubbish. It is. Uh, it's a rubbish joke, but I am going to tell you. Um, okay. It was. Why did the doctor take up gynecology? Because he saw oh. an opening. Because hey. he saw an opening. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That, uh, that dream, it came to me in a dream, in a dream, I swear. And I, w- I woke up in the morning and I wrote it down. I remembered it. Yeah. <laughs> but in my dream, it was like the Monty Python joke where everyone who heard it just died laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there may, be, there may be some death involved here, but I'm not sure if it's of laughing, but we'll see how it goes. But thank you very much for that uh, insight into your inner psyche, Gaz, I think. Thank you. <laughs> uh, anyway um that was a nice collection i just thought that was fun. I, I spotted uh mpc i'm not quite sure which mpc pro one jupiter six joe mox something or other jp8 monopoly junior 60 uh dope for meq sh101 sh09 it wasn't an sh rso9 perhaps i'm not sure prodigy what was the oberheim dave because you i know you're an ob ob nut look like an ob8 ob8 oh i had ob8 written down Woo. and yeah. a 909 and some kind of other st- and lo- loads of other stuff but great great fun video i found that on the um analog haven uh mailing list which you can get an rss feed and put it in your google reader which is a very good very useful uh, oldnabble.com i think it's called and uh, there's a lot of good videos from synthjet i just thought that was kind of fun anyway it was good really good um Right, and this one is uh, an interesting topic also. This is uh, from the Gadget Show in the UK. I've, I've cut together a video because I'm not sure everybody will be able to see it if you're outside. So if I'm just going to do that now and see if that works. Was going to be a huge task. Over the past seven years, we've had six different graphics title sequences, but only one theme tune. But it's time for a change. Our mission was to create a brand new theme tune and use consumer tech to do it. Over the next few weeks, with the help of our mentors, we put in hours and hours of work. Jace in the home music making studio that he'd put together and me on nothing more than an iPad. Until finally, we had the potential gadget show theme tunes. Oh, yes. To be really proud of. Okay. That's um, a matter of taste, obviously. Here we go. iPad version. Here we go. Stupid idea! 
get into the rights and wrongs of uh, the presenters and what have you. That was the UK's Gadget Show, which is actually quite a big show um, to do with gadgetry and what have you. And they set themselves a challenge, uh, which was to uh, remix the uh, and rewrite, or not remix, actually write a new version of the uh, Gadget Show theme tune using various different technology. Jason, um, I'm not sure, Bainbridge, I think his name is, he did it on uh, Ableton Live and used an M-Audio Venom. Uh, which, in fact, is preset number one. As soon as you switch it on, is the opening <laughs> sound in that particular one. And on the <laughs> second one, which was the iPad one, that was done in GarageBand using... Uh, let me see what to use. She used uh, the iPad iRig mic and the Apogee Jam to get a guitar in and what have you. At least that's what it said. And I just thought... Um, it was kind of, I mean, you know, the merits of the particular things are, you know, neither here nor there, but just a really cool idea... Um, I don't know if you can get the gadget show in the US. Can you, PJ? And uh, uh, you, you couldn't see that link. Is that the first you've seen of it then? That video yes. I played. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Well, I've just alienated half my panel and guests. Thank you very much. That's a, I think I score full points for that particular uh, <laughs> howler. <coughs> but the main thing was, I did try. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't for lack of trying. So did, so did I. Oh, yeah, I appreciate I that, guys. Because well. I, I came to it and I was thinking, how am I going to. I had to screen capture that and then cut it down because the whole show was 15 minutes and they went into it. And it's all, it's all that sort of. It's like Top Gear, but for iPods and gadgets and what have you. It's actually, you know, it, they do cover some interesting things like shootouts between cameras and blah, 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 blah. But anyway, they. Um, the idea really was behind this is, um, you know, 20 second a bit of uh, improvisation and getting a theme tune together. But it's got me thinking that perhaps there might be uh, an angle. Uh, well, in fact, it didn't get me thinking. This was suggested by Mac Doctor. Once again, thank you. The idea of maybe getting um, our listeners to submit some short 20 second pieces or, you know, music bed kind of stuff that could use be used to open the show. And the winner obviously gets used as in the show. And we do like an interview and feature on how they did it and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Not perhaps the most uh, monetary compelling reason to uh, get involved, but I thought it might be uh, an interesting collaborative venture. Um, and, and, you know, because we, we know we have a lot of very talented people who listen. How does everybody feel about that in the, uh, with the head torches? Well nodded. Yes. Well nodded. Okay. Sounds like sounds like a great idea. I think then. it'd be a, I think it'd be a really yeah. good idea. So uh, maybe we'll we'll flesh out a few ideas with that. But I I think essentially a twenty second bed, uh, a twenty second intro sting, and uh, we get to judge it, and then the winner gets to tell us how they did it. So consider the yeah. challenge down. And that was inspired from the gadget show, which is what you just saw. Am I making this? Am I selling it well? I don't feel like I am. There seems to be a lot of silence and pauses in this. When's no, the no, no, no. I'm well up for it. In fact, we'll try and find something to uh, as a prize, shall we? <laughs> making. Yeah. Let's let's have a look round. What have I got? I've got um, micro SD card. <laughs> Pen. Yeah, I've got a. Uh, hold on, I've got a Behringer. Plectrum that they all want. No, they all want these head torch things that we're wearing. They want a head torch. No chance. No way. I think we. I think Sonic State could stretch to a head torch. 
I have an M Audio yeah. Key Station 88. If anybody wants that, <laughs> yeah, Jesus. As long as we don't have to pay for the shipping, against my wall over here. As long as we don't have they to, they just pay have for, to pay yeah. shipping. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we don't, it should only be. I'll take, I'll take it apart bucks. for you. <laughs> Send it key by key. Um, It'll come in fifty small boxes. <laughs> Eighty-eight, surely. Was <laughs> of thirty-three of the keys already dropped off? Yeah, and one large, and one large box. I think yeah. I think a head a, a head torch is certainly uh, considering the the nature of this particular podcast. I think the head torch would be actually um, just totally appropriate, and we might even figure out a way of branding it somehow. Maybe it could yeah, project yeah. some kind of like Batman like um, Sonic State logo onto the wall. So it's you know, I'm I'm getting lost here, but I would really like to. But, but a great idea. Do you do you have any programs like this in the US, Rich and PJ? I don't know enough about the program to be able to answer your question. Uh, oh, what's happening there? Like so, sounds, like, sounds like somebody's got a fan going. Uh, yeah, I warned oh, you about Oh, yes, of course. Oh, it's Rich. a guy power washing the back deck outside this window, and I've done everything I can. The due date, I think we could probably give people, uh, what do you think, four weeks? Yeah. Four weeks is good, yeah. so whatever that would be. Let me see what's that going to be in terms of date. Why don't you make it well, have, or Halloween? Halloween. It's the Halloween. Uh, That's a great <laughs> idea. So the it will be uh, a Halloween like six weeks. Six weeks. Four. Okay. We'll, whenever the closest show is to Halloween, we will unveil the winner. Is that what we should? And do? Nick, yeah. where where to should they submit? They should specifically. You can tell I haven't really thought about this, have I? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're, we're working up the process. We're working as we up. Speak, well, right? you can uh, you can submit anything uh, via email to soniktalk at sonicstate.com or nick at sonicstate.com. Any of those two email addresses. I will put something up in the show notes that will formalise it a little bit better because um, clearly I hadn't thought about any of this stuff. And I'll reiterate it with a much more together uh, message from ne- in next week's show. Okay. We'll put a link on Since the we're going step. down this road, is it possible to do it in such a way that people can hear each other's submissions prior to the one that's been chosen? And do we want that? Um, hmm. I, that maybe something can be done on SoundCloud, possibly. Yeah, I was going to say we could set up a SoundCloud page. For I it. just wonder about it because because that might be inspiring to people. They might like listen to some other ones and go, "Oh yeah, well maybe I could do that." You know, okay. Things might actually it might like lead to a leapfrogging of quality, and everybody benefits, including the people doing them. All right, I think that's a great idea. I will look into that and uh, put something up. Um, so um, those listening in the chat room are are, uh, are looking. I'd say it's sort of positive, positive-ish. So, uh, so that's great, and and obviously the listeners and the download people, uh, you will get to uh, experience this uh, complete mess of organisation that I've launched without any forethought. But it will it will take shape. It's a good job we got six weeks because by the next week I'll have something a lot more concrete together on it. So we're looking for a twenty second bed, a twenty second intro sort of sting that will uh, open the Sonic Talk podcast show from now on as a challenge. And the winner will uh, feature on the show. We'll do a little piece, an interview, and uh, maybe a news item as well. And you can tell us how you made it. And then also, uh, you will win a fabulous head torch, um, which Rich (laughs) is now modelling. Right, I've taught myself into a bit of a cul-de-sac there. Let's see what else we've got going on. (coughs) Excuse me. <coughs> ah yes, Poco Poco. Let's take a look at this. 
I must say, when I saw this, it really reminded, I, it sort of looks like you want to hit with a hammer because it's got whack-a-mole kind of look to it. <laughs> I'm not sure it would take that, though. I won't play the whole video, um, but it, I just thought it was actually quite a cool uh, little gizmo. And not not only it's got solenoids in it that um, make the uh, the columns rise, but you can twist as well and push. And there's all sorts of ways of using it. And I just thought it was kind of quite an interesting concept. I mean, obviously, the Matrix is quite small, but uh, I think it could be used in a creative way. I don't know. What do you think? Gaz, are you still there? Um, yeah, well, I think... Uh... I mean, the obvious, uh, the obvious comparison of this thing is the Tenorion, isn't it? Just, uh, or maybe the, yeah, the, the Tenorion is probably the, the uh, and, I, and I thought, I've recently got hold of the Tenorion uh, app, uh, iPad version, um, and I noticed that the music I've been making on the Tenorion is very much the same as, you know, plinky, plinky music. Plinky plonk. So I yeah. think for plinky plinky kind of musical applications it looks excellent uh outside of that i'm not entirely sure i i found with a tenorion the, the i can only make plinky music really i've tried uh it, it always comes back to plinky so um i don't know what the market for plinky is right now but, i think um, that's an absolutely yeah. excellent um <laughs> Excellent sort of summary of um, of it. Yes, Plinky Plonky, I think is, per- yeah, is perfect. Plinky, plon- Plinky Plonky Music. I think perhaps that's another uh, possible show title there, right there. Plinky Plonky Music. I'm going to have to write that in. Um, Do you know, just quickly, sometimes at NAMM, a group of us will get together and invent a genre of music so that when people come around and say, oh, does it do, you know, garage or does it do dubstep or whatever, we go, yeah, yeah, it does all of that. And I think the last one we did was crowd music. And of course, and then you see how many times it's featured in any article or on a blog or something like that. <laughs> and I think plinky plinky music has just made it. <laughs> yeah. That's next year. But I mean, obviously, the, 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 You've got very short sequences. I mean, that was there are uh, later on in the video they're using it for a, a sort of more controllery things. So it's not just about that, but yes, it does tend to uh, force one into very short blinky plonky kind of stuff. Well, yeah, along those lines, Nick, I was thinking it would be perfect for writing um, U.S. game show. Uh, your time is almost up to answer the question. Type little themes ah. or uh, 1980s arcade video games. Your your man is about to die. Kind of kind of themes. This would be the perfect little box for that. It might have a niche there, mightn't it? It might have a niche yep. there. Definitely. <laughs> I want this as my doorbell. Your doorbell. What a great idea! Yeah. You can choose which one to press. Yeah, and if you get the right combination, I'll come to the door. And if you don't, I won't. <laughs> 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 the flamethrower comes out the letterbox and incinerates you. <laughs> That's awesome. What a, what a what a fantastic idea. Uh, anyway, I, I should quickly give you the fact. Uh, this is called Poco Poco. It's uh, and I, th- I thought actually it sounded like a chicken orientated restaurant change chain, but it's in fact a weird MIDI controller uh, by it's by Taku. Takaharu Kanai uh, from the Idea Lab team at Tokyo Metropolitan University. And it's actually really ingenious. Each of the, um, the 
the columns is raised and lowered on a solenoid. It's got pressure sensitivity. It's got multicolour LED, and it's also got a rotational aspect to it as well. So there's an enormous amount of control that could be there. I mean, much as we've sort of made fun of it, I actually think it could be <laughs> incredibly useful for you know certain stuff. I mean, because you can imagine it almost pre-configuring um, interfaces. So you know, a couple of knobs turn up, and you know, it's almost it has that sort of potential for being being more than perhaps it was designed for but i do not know if that's the case um they're uh, they're looking to hopefully put it into production but obviously it's still a you know a basic kind of prototype prototype thing and they're looking you know it's going to be around about the a thousand bucks mark which I, it doesn't surprise me considering the moving parts and the robustness that it might have to encounter to actually work properly rich could you see yourself i mean it'd be kind of fun fun it looks like it, maybe it could be an executive toy kind of thing musical based not for a grand. It made me think. It made me think of those jets of water fountains that come up out of the ground that are arranged in a sort of rectangular grid. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I like the idea that came up in the chat room before, where the guy said, "Yeah, you should turn it upside down and let it walk across the room." Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. an idea. Yeah, very cool. That'd be a very cool idea. So it can kind of perambulate at the same time. Yeah, this doesn't exactly light me up like a Tenorion might. Let's put it that way. Right. But if you were in the plinky plonk or plinky plinky music, in the in the if I were in the plinky plonk business, I would say there would be absolutely nothing finer, <laughs> no finer example of the plinky plonk music style and genre. In fact, it's representative of it, seemingly of an entire genre. <laughs> yes, it's, you could be right. Actually, the uh, the one thing that is interesting about it, it doesn't use any fancy. It's it's pure MIDI control. It does use Max MSP to feedback to the motors inside it but it's actually a, a straightforward midi sort of io thing which is is nice and encouraging so it doesn't actually have a wheelbarrow full of beer nice i like that rich that's a that's a great quote i'm putting that in the chat room i'm just sh- opening that at the there you are just, should i just title the show it could, it could be <laughs> yes it could be actually wheelbarrow full of bs that's good <laughs> i know i'm capable of uh, of Certainly, buckets full of it. It was a shame yeah. it didn't have portamento when the old things popped up, wasn't it? And the faster they popped up, yeah, the faster the port, the quicker the portamento. Yeah, That'd yeah, be yeah. Quite a neat little thing. No, but true. anything that's got solenoids in it, I'm a bit of a sucker for. Yeah. Well, of course, because yeah. you've got the Chamberlain, which is probably packed full of them, isn't it? That is unreal, and I'm not kidding you. Every time you play a note and the relay fires that solenoid, it just goes crack, 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 crack. Nuts. How do you mic so, yeah, it? Is, do you have to mic it up? Or is there a line out? No, line out. God. Yeah, you thank, it up. All you thank do goodness. Is crack, crack. Yeah, thank goodness. Mic, it, crack, mic crack. up what? The speaker? Yeah. Huh. I guess. There's, there's, no, there's no speaker on it. Oh, is it there not? When I, hear, when I hear solenoids at this point, I think of Pat Metheny's Orchestrion tour. Ah, uh, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah, totally. Let's have a look. I, I should probably at this point just also say... Um, uh, a warm welcome to another show sponsor who is Mac Pro Video. Um, of course, they are, if I can actually get the, there we go, macprovideo.com. Um, they have probably one of the largest selection of video training resources on the web. I mean, tons and tons of stuff for Final Cut Pro, lots and lots of audio, lots and lots of audio, which is uh, audio plugins, Ableton Live, Cubase, GarageBand, Isotope. Uh, Melodyne, Mainstage, Native Instruments, uh, Redmatic, Akimat, Reason, Sibelius, Soundbooth, Pro Tools. Uh, there's just hours and hours of it. And if you want to save 20% uh, on any download, um, 
then head over to sonicstate.com forward slash MPV and you'll get a 20% discount on any downloads that you, you, you want to check out. So once again, uh, sonicstate.com forward slash MPV for your 20% download discount from Mac Pro Video. Uh, oh, actually, uh, out of interest, um, before we go on, there was, um, I got a call just before I came on the show um, from the Focusrite PR people who've just re- released this, something called the Scarlet 2i2, which is a uh, Focusrite USB 2-channel audio interface. I think they're going for the uh, the real kind of high end of the USB. It's, uh, but it's very cheap, but it also has 107 dB dynamic range, or is it 127? I forget now. I think uh, it's... Anyway, it's it's a real price point breakthrough, and it looks absolutely lovely. It's got that sort of red series legacy <laughs> to it, hasn't it? Yeah, nice. I don't know That's how much... That's incredible dynamic range. Yeah, I because I, I, I spoke to somebody at Plaza, uh, which I was at on Monday, and uh, they said that it was actually really... They, they were so proud because they'd they just broken this price stroke performance barrier, and they were very uh, very pleased. And it also includes... It's the Scarlet 2i2. I'm guessing there is a range launched here with the Scarlet target plug-in piece. <laughs> oscillator was a sine square wave you could switch it between sine and square and it you know what would happen in terms of social evolution when everybody had their hands on something and didn't have a musical background I wanted to place myself in that future world that I didn't think I'd live to see but I am alive and I am beginning to see it I won't play the whole thing, but it's a great, uh, it's like an eight minutes or seven and a half minutes trailer for the this movie, which is uh, being made called Modular. And it's by uh, a documentary film directed by Robert Fantinato, uh, original score by Solvent, uh, extended promo video features some of the East Coast participants, Morton Sobodnik, Sean McBride, Jason Am. The film is still in production uh, with a West Coast shooting block coming up. But it's it, it's a I mean it, it's going to be very niche, admittedly. But it looks like it's going to be great. I mean, just the sight of all that stuff made you kind of go, "Ooh, some massive modular business going on there." Uh, I'm guessing um, everybody was kind of well. Everybody must have been interested in this because they wanted to jump to this straight to this topic. So Dave Spears, anybody, uh, any friends in there? I mean, this looks like it could be interesting. It's going to have if it's modular, it's going to have a running time of about what three and a half hours. I mean, how are they going to edit it down? Yeah, it'll be really interesting. I, I'd kind of, I was oblivious to this before, although I'd kind of seen a couple of posts, uh, but I hadn't watched it until today, and it looks really interesting. I really like that stuff that. Um, Richard Lanehart does on the Buckler and the um, Hacking Continuum Control. Yeah, that was like really that. beautiful, actually, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I've been kind of pestering Chris for a long time. We definitely need a modular, and I want that big synthesizers.com. I think it's the 110 system, which is absolutely huge. We spent a couple of days in a a studio with a couple of Moogs and 2500s and all that kind of stuff, and it was – they're just – there's something. It's that tactile nature, isn't it? It's just there's something about it. Although I really did like that comment about the what was it, false nostalgia or something? Yes, the the, the uh, I forget who it was now, but uh, yeah, the, he yes, he just said I said and, I th- I think it's false nostalgia. It's you know this stuff was a pain in the ass. It's difficult to use. <laughs> it takes ages. It warms up. It's unrepeatable. Blah blah blah. Which was an interesting viewpoint actually. But he but but then he did go on to actually say, um, but it's great. Well, that's what I really liked about it. There was some balance in it because, you know, anyone who has to maintain an old system knows that they ain't cheap to maintain. They ain't cheap to buy and you've got to love them. Yeah, most definitely. The other thing that I saw in there, and I think it was uh, the chap who was the the creator of the ModCan system. He just says, Mm -hmm. all you've got to remember is save enough money to buy your kids shoes leave enough, leave enough spare money to buy your kids shoes i think it's and i, I thought that was a, <laughs> another as a, a way of sort of illustration of how sort of um all-encompassing it is rich there was some good stuff in there wasn't there do you know any of these guys um i've met joel chadby and uh have extraordinary uh respect for him and the work he's done in, in, to bring synthesis forward through our lifetimes and uh he uh, at, at uh, where I when I came across him, he was teaching the electronic synthesis studio at the State University of New York in Albany, where a friend of mine attended and was majoring there. And uh, just uh, a terrific man and uh, really important. And when they open with Sabotnik right away, this whole project has credibility to me. That's you you get you lead with somebody like that, and I'm right away. I'm incredibly interested in what's to follow. And there was a lot of guys in there I did, I'd never seen before and didn't know anything about, and a lot of really interesting music and sound coming out. Now this musically interested me a lot, and uh, I, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I More mean, than even the Mellotron one. Just in that, just in that um, short, you know, seven and a half minute intro, well, long, long trailer. There's some great quotes on there. I mean, there's uh, also the Modcan guy also said, "I fully realise that all the work that goes into it, a lot of this stuff is just going to sit in the corner and never even be touched." And that's uh, another aspect, isn't it, as well? Well, it's a collector's world. I'm I'm sorry, Dave. No, no, no. Go ahead. ahead. And speaking of collectors, here's Dave Spears. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but we use our stuff. it's not just simply collecting, which right. is actually what one right. guy alluded to, wasn't it? It was just like, it was almost like penis envy with modular stuff. Mm. Guys coming around and going, wow, how do you use that? I don't know. <laughs> I never do. I've, yeah. yeah, check it out. Yeah. But um, yeah, some great stuff. Yeah, no, re- really good. Uh, Gaz, are you looking forward to the, I don't know what the production schedule is, but I'm guessing it might be uh, a, a project that's probably ongoing for some time, judging by the mm-hmm. amount of uh, footage they're going to be shooting. Do, do we know what, where it's going to be? Sh- is it going to be like a cinema release or is it just like a web film? I'm, to be honest, I know nothing more about it, um, which is a, a yet another glowing example of my lack of research um, <laughs> <laughs> shining through like a beacon. Because um, I have noticed now... Uh, there's a sort of growing trend in these kind of documentaries about very specific 
pieces of equipment. Um, like I know with guitar wise, there's been like a film about fuzz, which uh, which I quite enjoyed. Um, and more recently, I watched one all about the Wawa as well, which I think was actually made by Jim that, Dunlop. That was the Dunlop thing. I think we featured that on uh, on our guitar amped sonicstate.com forward slash amped section. Yes, it was a great, great piece. Yeah, really good. So, um, yes, yeah, so I think it's brilliant. I mean, I feel really pleased that these sort of things are being made now and, you know, with really good production values as well. And uh, this one looks really exciting. So, yeah, I'm... But I think it's going to be released in little, small, little bits, isn't it? And then you have to kind of link it all up somehow. All right, in whatever order you prefer. What a great idea. <laughs> you can patch it together in whichever way you prefer. Yeah, that was uh, P- PJ, Never did you... Same again. <laughs> PJ, do you uh, you looking forward to this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one one other quote, Nick, is the the guy that had to buy a bigger house in order oh, yeah. to accommodate his mo- his modular. But I, I like um, I I thought it was interesting that the focus of this trailer seemed to sort of um, harken back to an off-discussed topic on this show, and that's that it seemed to me, and I, I watched this really early this morning, so maybe I was half asleep, I don't know, but that only one of the participants mentioned sound as a consideration in engaging in the modular world, and it was more about, um, like like uh, uh, Rich and Dave were saying, the, ta- the tactile nature of it, and you were saying the limitations of it, and there's there's something to both of those things, the the limitations recently i've been i've been uh uh composing some projects and right away either not generating midi so just plugging synthesizers directly into um you know into uh my system and playing in or or uh recording um my nord piano directly into my system or when generating midi throwing it away so that i can't go back and revisit it at all and uh there's something f- freeing about about imposing these kinds of limitations where when you're done with a when you're done with a piece of music um you can say I, I sort of i sort of climbed a hill to get there or or i didn't uh i wasn't able to sort of go back and 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 micro edit and micro tweak and and there's i think i think there's a real satisfaction in that in that kind of process and so even even though uh it might be a maybe in some aspects of forced nostalgia in another way it's just it's an ethos it's a it's a way of working or digging in yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, and that really shines yeah. through when we were talking to, um, well, you know, both Flood and Gareth Jones both hate the idea of presets and just making, and you know, so modulars suit them to a degree in terms of just actually living for the moment and going making making a decision, committing, and and modular certainly makes yeah. you do well. Actually, modular makes you do that when you finally come to the end of your process, but you're very unlikely to ever come to the end of the process. Certainly, with one that big, I would imagine it would just be I've been working on this pace patch for a week and on the other on the other hand i think that there were some unfair criticisms sort of um levied sideways at computer music and the way that it works i mean i i think it, it's lassitude and, and or convenience you know that cause us if we're if we are doing this just to rifle through presets rather than digging into the tools at hand because the tools at hand have their own inherent limitations and and ways of working and workflow and we've talked about this ad nauseum on the show so sure. i won't go into it but um that uh you know that they're that are their own joy and their own um you know you'll find your own workflow and your own process if you really get to know the tools that you have in front of you whether they're on an, on a screen or or whether they're in physical space 
That's yeah. my two cents. I, yeah, no, definitely, totally. definitely. Although I did like that idea of the guy saying, for those of us who spend all day, every day staring at a 21-inch monitor, it's refreshing to step away from that and interconnect modules and stuff like that. It's a big physical thing. I did like that. Yeah, yeah. I got, yeah, I've sure. got to order me some new patch cords actually, because uh, we've got uh, we had a little bit of a problem with the one the modular setup here, which is why I haven't been able to uh, do any more reviews. But they will be coming. Apparently, there's another uh, fix for that on the way, and I've got some Pittsburgh modular modules to uh, look at, which have been sent and they're in the pipeline. And also, I believe I've got some uh, live wire um, ones as well, a Vulcan modulator and a, Dal- a Dalek. Vulcan and a Dalek. I'm not sure what to expect with those, but I'm looking forward to getting my teeth into those soon. So uh, I think I've got to put an order in for a bunch of patch cables so I can cool. get lost. <laughs> get lost. It's, it's, in all it's like that. audio Lego, isn't it? It's very, Big yeah, hits. very similar kind of, <laughs> yeah, very similar kind of concept. I, Gaz, it, I, would, I would love, I mean... Uh, what I'm hoping to do is uh, get you to have a look at some of these modules at some point and see what you make of them because they're not always <laughs> available in your workflow, are they? I mean, you you don't not having a modular system. I mean, we haven't had a modular system ever before. I mean, this is the first time for us, so uh, it's. Well, kind a, I mean, yeah, I'm such a newbie, you know. Uh, so I, you know, I, I'd love to do that and sort of see what um, <laughs> what they can do. My for take you. on it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because uh, yeah, very interesting. Um, I, I do feel it's a little bit like this kind of love affair that hasn't quite begun yet, you know, just dancing on the edge of it, just thinking, you know, that I'm going to get, I'm going to fall deeply in love and then get completely immersed with it. So um, it is, it's like, one of the, it, it's like the one of these kind of Emily Bronte things, isn't it? Where you dance, <laughs> you dance, speak its name in case it all in consumes yeah. you and you become completely lost <laughs> in it. Yeah, it's, it is almost like that. You have to kind of provide, Dave is doing a good bit of lighthouse work there. It's it's hypno- hypnosis by a modular gas. By a modular gas. By a modular. There you go. You know, it's it's interesting the way that that gas just uh, talked about modular synthesis, and you you get that feeling from from most people that that collect and own synthesizers and use them on a daily basis. This this sort of love affair, and I, and I wonder if if you only get that kind of poetry spoken about um, something that you can actually physically touch. You know that you can interact with on a physical level, like like an, like another human being or, or an actual musical instrument, and if that's uh, e- even if the software is capable of imposing its own limitations and a deep workflow and uh, a wonderful sound, uh, the fact that you can't reach through the screen and actually touch it uh, causes us not to connect as deeply with it. And I think that's a really yeah no, it is a really good point. Uh, when you know Richard and um, Kent made the controller when they first deposited that here for the M2. You know, normally I'm so used to kind of micro detail and stuff. All of a sudden, I forgot that. I don't know, you know, Rich's experience may or may not be similar. But for me, as somebody who'd lived with this instrument for like, you know, a year or two or maybe longer, or it just took on this kind of different, completely different vibe. My ears took over, really. Well, Very that's- interesting. I, I think, yeah, that sounds like a. I mean, that sounds like a. Yep. What should happen? I guess with modular, you can get a bit bogged down in. If you're uh, the sort of person that likes patterns and 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 neat routing, you might get. You might make something that pleases different parts of your brain rather than just the sound. I don't know how that might work. I've not really kind of 
I've been exposed to it for that long. It would be really cool if I could put that lead into there as well, and then I'd have the you know I don't know maybe maybe I, I perhaps that would appreciate uh, appeal to Mark more because I know he's very he likes he likes to have everything's neat and tidy. I love watching um, Bob Williams, you know, at NAM, uh, the Analog Systems, Analog Solutions. Oh, God, I'm getting the two of them confused I know, now. I, I, I NAM, keep doing it. Because it's like performance art. He just knows that thing inside out, and he's this huge bodybuilder kind of bloke, but everything's really delicate and kind of beautifully move, beautiful movements and stuff. Chris and I have uh, kind of watched him for probably too long than is healthy on occasion. He should do uh, some little tutorial things, actually. That would be, yeah, that'd be nice. It's just really graceful thing to watch. Mm. It's like, well, he's quite, I, I get the feeling that he's actually quite uh, a ninja when it comes down to it. I mean, he's a very fit bloke. Do you think he's kind of got kind of karate aspirations or, or uh, what's the other one? The Tai Chi or something? Yeah, no, I mean, I've met him a few occasions and he's such a cool guy. But yeah, in fact, nice the first time I ever met him was at the opening of the Synth Museum where Bob came down. I think I've said this before on a podcast, but there were five Moog modulars there downstairs. And Bob came down for the first time and we had to film his reaction. And he just walked over to this thing. And in fact, I've got a feeling Bob might have ended up, Bob Williams might have ended up fixing a load of the synths on that day because it was scorchy hot. But it was amazing to watch Bob kind of pull this module out and kind of go, oh, this was made on my kitchen table in about 1968. And I probably signed this. And there it was. There's his signature. Just amazing. Ah, fantastic. Some good stuff in the chat room. Um, Happy Fun Team is going to build a modular and call it Heathcliff, based on that uh, little emotional outpouring. Rob GS would love a tiny sizer, but he's got fingers the size of sausages. That could be a a bit of a limitation, because I know that synthesizer hasn't got a lot of room to spare. But anyway, um, jolly good fun. That is, uh, once again, as we said, the documentary uh, simply called Modular by... Robert Fantinato, who I uh, Fantinato, I think, um, and the original score by Solvent. I don't know. We as as yet, we don't actually know when and where it's going to become available. But some something to watch uh, there. I've put, I'll put the link to the Facebook Facebook project paid to keep up to date on the production in the show notes, so you can keep it all checked out. I think actually we might be that. That feels like it might be a, a pertinent time to stop, unless any of you happen to know what Zappa's mystery modules are. Um. Mm. I'm not sure that that's the case. This, uh, yeah, once again, that's something I found on Analog Haven. I'll, I, perhaps I'll leave people with that. I bring that up, and uh, you can you can take a look and see whether or not this is uh, a chap called Zappa's uh, a site called Zappa's Gear, and it's a bloke called uh, Mike Eckers who's based in the UK, and he's writing a book, I believe, on uh, Zappa's equipment. And one of the things that he's trying to find out is that there Zappa had um, had, had one of the first custom or the, the the largest most complicated emu systems in 1976 it was built into two four four 100 walnut cabinets and there's a few modules he cannot identify and these are pictures of them here uh, mystery modules uh, the output mixer was it design and uh, yes so if anyone happens to know i'll put the link in the show notes and perhaps you could get in touch with mike at zappersgear.com would you like some wild speculation oh, right now? Oh, day. Oh, yeah, yeah I on. would, Rich, because I know you dealt, you worked with uh, Emu, didn't you? Or as a synth dealer? Not sure. specifically. Not specific. I, I sold their product at one point. Um, actually, yeah, one or two of that, like Drumulator. They didn't even have keyboard products yet. But um, at the time, Emu was a very, very small company. They were building products pretty much one at a time. 
And most of their clientele was on the West Coast of the California, which is where they were. And, and uh, so, for example, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised that the Zappa camp was directly involved and in touch with the EMU people in specifying things they wanted. And EMU would go back and, you know, cobble one up and send it to them. So, I, because they don't look... I mean, they could have been homebrew, but they don't look, they almost don't look inconsistent enough from the rest of the panel to convince me that it's a homebrew thing. And yet it doesn't exactly match. I mean, I know they're highlighting it to some degree, but, uh, and yeah, some of the switches are off kilter and stuff like that. But I suspect that this is stuff that EMU um, cobbled together for them. Those knobs, for example, are very consistent with, with the knobs and the rest of the synthesizer. It just basically looks like gear from emu that just isn't standard list right. gear like just frank be- said i want something that does this and they said oh yeah we can make you one of those and they went back and they made him one of those because it was that kind of company in those days it was a small company and they were making things one off the other most significant user i recall of the emu modular since we're on the center was a guy called Patrick Gleason, who had previously been in one of herbie hancock's bands and who did a brilliant classical realization of holst's the planets um, I believe entirely on an emu modular and it was fantastic. And I have it downstairs mm-hmm. on record right somewhere. And uh, it was a really glorious sounding synth. And I think Frank even brought it on the road for a while. Wow. Do we know what Zappa tunes that modular was used on? That was something I was wondering really. Cause I mean, I know they, I, they used to have kind of more like just an oscillator and strange noises. As far as I remember, I don't remember any kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, and no, a few no, no, le- no. leads as well, but. Oh, the brass sounds that came off of Gleason's album. Uh, the, the whole Gleason album. The, the Patrick Gleason Holst, The Planets. I don't even know if it's still available or in print or anything. It was stunning. I much preferred it, for example, to Kamita's uh, realization of the same. Um, and if I had to speculate, based on my knowledge of Frank Zappa songs, I would think that the version of the song Easy Meat on the album Tinseltown Rebellion contains a uh, bridge section. It's got obvious polyphonic synth overdubs, a horn thing, uh, a horn kind of ensemble synth horn patch. And I'm pretty sure, and and I don't have any specific knowledge to this effect, but that sounds to me like the emu modular. That was uh, Tommy Mars who did all that, wasn't it? That was his. Yes. At that point. Yes. Uh. Absolutely. Tinseltown Rebellion, of course, uh, home to it's Peaches a, on Regalia, another classic. Yeah. Alive, and, yes, another, and yet another live version of Peaches on Probably Regalia. one of yeah. Zappa's most famous uh, pieces. I mean, studied, uh, I believe, in, in classical music as well, and certainly in recent years, because of its just massive complexity and also a fantastic tune. And Originally <laughs> recorded to four-track for the album Hot Rats. Wow. And no offensive lyrics. Well, it's an instrumental, isn't it? Absolutely, <laughs> which is probably another reason why it was so why it was so popular. Uh, anyway, that was great. Thank you very much for that, Rich. Um, I think that's probably good. But I mean, I I don't know if you want to get in touch with Mike and maybe um, let him know, or I might point him in in uh, in the direction of this podcast, and he can uh, make his own um, his own way. As it were, wallow so, in my wild speculation. No, I think that's fine because I don't know that. I think you're probably right, to be perfectly honest. Because I mean, I don't know that you would make a module with so much blank panel space for final production. They used to mod. mod they used to modify stuff back, like yeah. 
Wendy Carlos had a Moog fixed filter bank with separate outputs for each band. That that's how they created the vocoder for uh, uh, Clockwork Orange for the uh, Beethoven's Ninth uh, Fourth Movement. Right. Uh, you know, separate envelope generators and amplifiers on the back end of a fixed filter bank. You know, it, it's remarkable kind of stuff. They, so used to they used to modify stuff like you know there were the companies were smaller the relationships were tighter there weren't that many people involved in it everybody knew everybody else's name yeah it makes absolutely perfect sense I mean in the same in much the same way that those relationships with the boutique modulars are still happening now right folks I think it's probably time to draw to a close and I want to say thank you very much to everybody thank you to all of you guys and gals I'm assuming there might be one at least in the chat room. Um, SonicState.com forward slash live, 4 p.m. UK time is when you go there to uh, join us, uh, hear the video stream, watch the video stream, get involved in the chat. Thank you very much to everybody. Thanks to Mac Doctor in the chat room as well. And also thanks to my my guests here. Uh, and we'll go there. We'll say um, head torched up to the max, Mr. Rich Hilton, who's Hiltonius on MySpace and at various other places. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for telling us about your recent trip and your Hyde Park gig. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Thank you. Always great. And uh, who's just popped up there? We'll say thank you to Gaz Williams, songsurgeon.co.uk. Thank you for joining us too. Uh, you've got a sort of bright light behind you that's not a head torch, but it'll all, it'll do. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what can you say to that? Thank you very much, Gaz. I really appreciate thank you joining us. And, right. uh, and uh, also to uh, PJ Tracy, who is uh, iconic there with the new icon. Fingers and PJ, thank you very much for joining us. That's uh, pjtracysound.com uh, for all your PJ Tracy needs. Oh, thanks, Nick. It's a real pleasure. Really enjoyed it this week. Great fun. And finally, to Dave Spears from g4software.com, makers of fine musical instruments and the like. Thank you very much for joining us too, Dave, with your head torch you as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm just going to see if I can... We are family. Yeah. I've sort of put a torch <laughs> behind my head. Which is almost the same. Yes! Sort of. So there we go. We are beacons. <laughs> beacons in the world of music technology um, shining out like, um, at least it takes some of the uh, some of the attention away from my tomato red head that is uh, presented by this cheap webcam that I'm using at the moment. But anyway, thank you very much, everybody. And don't forget, um, we are um, introducing sort of very loosely and vaguely this competition. So uh, please do send us a 20-second sting that you would think would be appropriate for opening the Sonic Sonic State Sonic Talk podcast, which will be used from forever onwards as the uh, the ident. I'm going to move that because I'm or until further notice or until further notice <laughs> until further notice. Yes, I should a probably not vague a I loose should, and vague sting. I should probably not say uh, in perpetuity, but it, the winner will Never receive a, a fine head torch, and uh, we will do we'll have a little interview, and you can tell us about how you made it and all of that stuff. So uh, our details will follow. Um, I, hopefully, we'll get a SoundCloud um, thing together, and because it was a bit off the cuff, um, so I didn't really plan ahead, as is becoming more and more obvious. But thanks very much <laughs> to everybody, and uh, totally appreciate uh, all the time that people spend. Thanks to our sponsors. Uh, don't forget, check out the Yamaha Yay. Pocket Track recorders uh c24 and w24 and also mac pro video uh, for tutorials any downloads remember save 20 percent sonicstate.com forward slash mpv right i think that's pretty much it for sonic talk number 234 thanks very much for listening we're going to play you out with a little bit more of uh, synth junk's wonderful compilation track played on a variety of 